Clarita here, and I've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. If you want to release your music into the world, DistroKid's the easiest way to get your music into all the major streaming platforms, unlimited uploads, and keep 100% of your royalties. And because you're a Design Freaks listener, you get 30% off. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash Design Freaks. DistroKid. Welcome, everybody, to the Design Freaks program. Uh, I am Clarita. Welcome, fellow Design Freaks and children of the Kern. Today, we have a very special guest. Um, We are going to be talking to Seattle's favorite... (laughs) Regular dude and musician, uh, millions of albums produced... Mr. Kurt Block, everybody. Thank you. Very nice to be here. Nice to have you. Thanks for coming. We are obsessing over these uneven levels right now on GarageBand. Um, but the show goes on. And, 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 any, and any levels that are uneven now can be, uh, can be le- leveled later. We'll level it. Yeah, damn man, just level it. I'll it's just cool. level it out. Just level it up. <laughs> You know how you do. You'll like it, as one does. Everyone will love it. (laughs) So, Kurt, for those of you listening who do not live in Seattle, we do have some listeners in the UK. Um, We do have one listener in Sweden, uh, at least once, (laughs) (laughs) and um, some Austin, Texas people as well. Thank you, guys. I like my Austin, Texas. That's right. Um, that's my hometown. And, uh, so for those of you who don't live in Seattle though, Kurt, um, is a musician here from the band, the Fastbacks and the Young Fresh Fellows, who else? The Sergeant Major Three, most notably Full Toilet. (laughs) (laughs) I love that record. I think you... Gave it to me? No, did Eric give it to me for Christmas? Oh. It was a it was a couple Christmases ago. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been out for a few a couple Christmases now oh. for sure. I, I I generally like figure out how old records are by how many Christmases <laughs> have gone by since they were released. So well, I appreciate that. 
Well, it's it's great, and I unfortunately I don't think I've seen you guys play, but I've seen photo. That's one where you wear that gold blouse, correct? Full toilet. Gold Which blouse. <laughs> uh, could be a gold blouse in full toilet for sure. <laughs> that could be. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's any number of um, any number of things that could happen. So there. many things have happened. <clears throat> there's over not the that. There, there, there's no. Uh, there's no strict formula for a full toilet show. <laughs> in fact, there's a formula to not have a formula. So today we are going to talk to Kurt about all kinds of things. Personally, I am obsessed with, I know this is a music and design podcast, I am obsessed with your DIY Photoshop skills. Can you tell me a little bit about that? How did that start? And how well do you know Photoshop? Have you ever taken a class? No, I've never taken a class of Photoshop, but... You know, I've definitely had Photoshop for a long time, you know, since, well, in, in, in fact, I think, you know, when, when did the first Photoshop come out? We had, we, uh, uh, we had a family computer would, would have been the, you know, the early mid eighties, really? you know, like a Mac 128. Okay. Or something like that, okay. and <clears throat> we did have the little, uh, the little three and a uh, half inch floppy disk with the with the application with the program called Photoshop. It was two words. Whoa! Um, not that you could really do anything. <laughs> I don't think you could. You know, but me. you've done so much. <laughs> but but I was you know aware of that from 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 back then. Um, was it more similar to like MS Paint back then? It must have been. You know, yeah. honestly, I don't remember what it was like. But yeah. I probably still have that little disc with Photoshop on it. Oh my god! Um, but I, I, I don't remember actually really. You know, because it was. You remember? You probably don't remember those old computers. They were, you know, the little sort of grayish blue oh, screen. Oh, I remember that. And the little skinny, the narrow. Yeah, they had you know like Scream. they had them at banks, and you know they you know they're like a little a little mini tower with a you know five inch square yeah, screen. Yeah, the, the screen was small. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there was music programs you could drag notes and put them on a staff and have it okay. play the music back. See, and I stuff was like I was the age when that came out where I was interested in the games, mm-hmm. not. And my cousin had an Atari computer back then. Because Atari made computers, sure, sure. and that's what the games were on before they separated games out of the computer. So, right, right. that's all I thought a computer was. <laughs> is a is a game was uh, a, is a game impossible hub. mission we played and um, Dark Castle, mm-hmm. the ones where you walk around and right, right, and, yeah. and come up with strange. You uh, get the key you. You know, there's you always a key. walk over. There's to always it. a key. Wasn't there? <laughs> Isn't there always? Um, but then, but then later, um, you know, I was like, it's like, you know, computers were always something that was was all, always held the key to me for so many <laughs> things because I, I've always taken photos and printed pictures in dark rooms and yeah, and things like that. So when <clears throat> like those early computer forays were not very valuable because you couldn't actually do anything 
that you needed to do. You couldn't actually, you couldn't really edit photographs and you couldn't, you know, like, like do design work yeah. on, on that sort of thing. Even though I did, I remember the, one of the Fastbacks demo tapes um, was done on a, uh, the, the, if you want to slow down, step on the gas, the demo tape that we did in 1985 was, you know, done on, uh, on the Mac really? one, 128. Whoa. So did you also use like Xerox and all the traditional? Designs? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Xerox. But, but you know, like back then there was no, you, you there was no typesetting yeah. available to the layman. Oh, I get it. Yeah. And um, so we had a couple places that, that did photo typesetting and you could go there and, you know, tell them what you wanted and especially look through their type books and see what typefaces they had. And, and then you'd go home with a, you know, basically a, a crappy half-assed drafting table built out of, you know, plywood and a, you know, I think at one point I did buy a T-square with a clear thing on it so you could actually yeah. do, so you could actually do things straight. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, but there was no, there was nothing to set type with, you know, at, at home. So it was either type it on a typewriter and then go to Kinko's and blow it up to whatever size you wanted to do, ah. or write it by hand, or go to a phototype setter. And it wasn't ex- or do the ransom note thing. Yeah, you could cut letters yeah. out of magazines, <laughs> but everybody else had done that. And yeah. I was like, All right. we we I, I, it had, anything I did had to be better than that or worse than that. Oh, I you see. know, so it's so it's either hand lettered, which I love. Hand lettering is that available? Uh, photos of that early stuff, so I can put it up. Um, I like to put up photos of what we talk about. Oh, yeah. Instagram. I imagine so. I can send you some, okay. send some awesome. photos yeah, of we'll some. Put up, uh, put up some photos of what we're talking about, the early Fastbacks cassettes. And- yeah, the, the cassettes. And, and, you know, then it was, you know, like, uh, gosh, I think, you know, we would do things like find type books, mm-hmm. like specimen books, goes, you know, then, and the, the, the key, obviously the key back then was to find a, a place that had a copier that you could blow things up on mm-hmm. because, you know, the normal thing was just 100%, but there was some that you could go 200%. And then, you know, you just sit there, it was cheap and nobody was there. So right. you could just sit there for hours and, and with, you know, scissors and a glue stick, I'm sure everybody from the eighties did exactly that. Right. But then you know we were. I was, I was probably a little more ambitious than a lot of people were back then. Stand with, out with the uh, and just you know personal. See how far you can push Xerox machine and you it, like you could get all the letters if you found a type book that had a typeface that you liked. Yeah. It had all the letters, so if you could go blow those up maybe twice on the Xerox machine, so you had a master list of master set of type mm-hmm. at you know maybe the letters were an inch and a half tall or something then you could copy those sheets and cut out the letters you want and glue them down and you could you know do your own you know it was it was jagged it looked xeroxy but it was still very cool yeah. um and, and then the, at one point there was one that you could there was a xerox machine that you could reverse things on <gasps> and it's like Ooh. oh boy wow we're we're really getting somewhere now <laughs> so you did everything yourselves all the design yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had a couple of people sometimes would draw a, um, you know, draw like our first Fastbacks album had a, uh, 
had a cartoon for the mm-hmm. the cover, but it was just a it was just black and white, mm-hmm. and so we're like, well, we can we can make this cool, and you know, did overlays, you know, CMYK or CMY overlays, so we could add color to it, and, okay, and stuff like that. And, you know, of course, that you know, that was you're just fishing. You're just trying things out and seeing. And there was no, you know, you could you could cut your overlays, mm-hmm. um, but you, there was no way to actually know what it looked like mm-hmm. <clears throat> because you could get a color key made. Like if you've ever seen those, yeah. the plastic layers and stuff, which are super cool, but they cost a fortune, you know, like mm-hmm. hundreds of dollars for a LP cover sized color key and it's like we don't have any money we don't have any money to make the record we're like pulling in all the favors we have to you know because everything you know like if you're just if you're uh if you're young and we didn't have any money you know just trying to still happening oh yeah 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 for sure um and and i understand that like a lot of the projects i work on it's like look i you know let me help you save money on this because Mm. try to try to get as good of a thing done as you can without without wasting money i mean yeah and because it's just you know making records can be a money pit and less so now because there's you can do all these things that you're mm-hmm. on your own. But now that you can do them, it's not a question of can you do them. It's like, come on, let's kick this into gear. Let's let's try to make it look nicer than just because you can make design. You know, anybody can make a design on their home computer now. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's going to look very good. And it's like. Just look at these ones that don't look very good. Now look at these records that do look good. And you don't have to be a professional anything to make something look good. You just have to have, to have a good idea. Kurt, you're telling people not to hire me. <laughs> <laughs> well, just but... look at Clarita's designs and then look at yours. <laughs> Maybe you do need to hire Clarita. Maybe you need to hire me. Yeah, just, but, but just come up. It's just like music, too. Just because you can have a band. Yeah. Come up with some good ideas. You know, like. Come up with something. You don't have to force everything that hasn't been done before, but just try to make music and art that you like. If if you really like it, it's like, you know, I guess that's what I always just think is do something that you that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people end up with things like, well, I didn't really like it, but uh, it's like, well, why did you Whoa. do it then? Do you ever get people come to you to produce a record who have money, but they are like what you just said they're not that into it well no <clears throat> no <laughs> because <laughs> oh no 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 uh, because generally uh, generally the 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 records that i work on are by rock bands yeah no you know the, the the thought of a, a a music producer you know could be a singer songwriter coming to a music producer with some songs and wanting the producer to help them make a rock record. My out father of it or said I'm like the that. best. <laughs> yeah. My dad said my songs are better than anyone on the radio that he heard. Um, but I mean, so that, that's, that's not the kind of project that I tend to do. Okay. Um, I, I, I more of trying to find, you know, three or four or five people in a rock band that already sound killer that don't want to, don't want to ruin it in a bad studio right, right. Um, undertaking.
was, not knowing what I'm doing. I hobbled this all together. Please don't judge me, Kurt. But my setup is a little funny, but it's DIY, you know, I'm doing it on my own. Please check out the donate button on the about page of my website. Um, what else was I going to ask you? I didn't even say like, hi, how are you doing? Because we talked before we started recording. So that's kind of a podcast mistake. I think um, I always chat with people before we start and then we have to do like a fake chat. At the There's beginning. been no fake chat. So I know, far. no, no nervous neighbor talk is what we. Heard. <laughs> um, what Nobody else? knows where we are right now, do they? Oh, Jesus. We could be in your basement, in your converted garage. Welcome to our ASMR podcast with Kurt Block. <laughs> He's going to put you to sleep with threats, <laughs> quiet threats. Putting you to sleep with idle threats since. 1982. Oh my gosh. I just I just want to say that I love the name Full Toilet. <laughs> I think that's the best band name of all time. And I want to say also that the birthday that you, Pete, and Leslie created a band and played birthday songs for me at Gainsburg was one of my best birthdays ever. Yeah, that was a good. Amazing. Do you remember that? That was a good one. We had uh, we we drew on mustaches. Yeah, everybody. I was like, I am Mexican. (laughs) I could have a mustache so easily that I don't like this. (laughs) 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 But yeah, that was fun. We we did the mustaches. Um, Do you remember the name of the band you guys made up? Mm, It was a Kinks cover band, right? Oh, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while, and and. I think we tended to make up a new name with every oh, uh, okay. with every undertaking. So, okay. you know, of course, it would be hard to remember which is which. But I still have the painting. Oh yes, of course, of uh, me playing guitar that night yeah. at the Gainsburg. Exactly. So the photo was taken of you playing guitar that night. I later made a painting of that moment. Um, yeah, I that night is pretty much a blur, but I just remember, I think I cried. It was so awesome. <laughs> because uh, Kurt, Leslie, and Pete created a, a Kinks cover band, and they changed the lyrics to be about me and my birthday. And I don't remember how many songs there even were, but it was just the most awesome birthday. It was great. Um, yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was a night of quality, for sure. <laughs> High quality, quality undertaking. Sounds good. So I think we're going to take a little break. Please enjoy this commercial for Tony's Pizzeria. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about our main event. And that is Raymond Pettibon. Today we're interviewing a stomach. Hello there. What is life like as a stomach? Oh, boy, it was humdrum. I mean, until what's-his-name discovered Tony's Pizza. Tony's Pizza? Yeah, I was suffering from the pizza cravings until Tony's came along. Crispy crust and zesty sauces. (laughs) Wow. And so now... What's that? Another pizza craving. Just thinking about Tony's sets it off. Oh, where are you going? He's going to get a Tony's pizza. And I follow him anyway. 
Does your stomach send you pizza craving signals? Oh, wow. Tony's, the pizza craver's pizza. Available at the concession stand. Okay, welcome back, everybody. While you were away... Whoops. <laughs> welcome back. Uh, while we were away, we started a band called the Circuit Breakers. What's our first album called? The album is called Blown... <laughs> band the circuit breakers you know welcome back uh today we're going to talk about raymond pettibon pettibone 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 i guess it's 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 probably a made-up name so well i'm going to go over what wikipedia told me about it is there a little button to click on then she can have it pronounced raymond pettibone we should do that he's very french yes so, so his dad gave him the nickname so he was born Raymond Ginn. He is Greg Ginn's brother, Greg Ginn of Black Flag and SST Records. Um, and it says here that his dad named him Petit Bon, like little good one. Um, so he was born in 1957 in Tucson, Arizona. I did not know that. Mm. He became the artist for SST Records. And he's sort of like the zine king. He's done... Probably thousands of zines um, from the 80s till now. I'm not sure if he still does, still compiles his drawings that way, but I know he has a ton of work out there that he's still doing, still draws every day. He's won several awards. I'll get more into that later. Was the fourth of five children born to, their dad's name was R.C.K. Ginn. There's three initials as a first name. R.C.K., wow. uh, an English teacher who published several spy novels. Um, he earned an economics degree from UCLA in 1977 and worked as a high school math teacher. Raymond? Raymond. Wow. Um, in L.A., in the L.A. public school system for a short period um, before pursuing and completing his BFA in 1977. So he went back to UCLA and got his... Um, Bachelor of Fine Arts, and um, did a lot of cool stuff while he was in college, too. I think that's where he started most of his, um, what we now know of his illustrative style. Right, right. And and, and so he was uh, he was a teacher, and before he became a counterculture. Isn't that weird? But he wasn't an art teacher. He was a math, math teacher. Math teacher, yeah, yeah, yeah. The opposite. <clears throat> Yeah, that's hard hard to say. It would be it'd be interesting to see if, if he if he does have any uh any uh main, more mainstream art. He definitely does some beautiful lithographs that the MoMA owns a bunch of his stuff. Um so mainstream oh, and there was a towel that was at Target. I will put it on the Instagram. So you can look along. <laughs> I'll put it up here on the screen so you can see it. Whoa. Yeah, it was sold at Target. Huh. <laughs> wow. That's pretty cool, actually. Mm -hmm. Raymond Pettibone beach towel. I know. And there was also um, a limited amount of them made, so they disappeared very quickly, I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, it's just very interesting to see how other people get by in life because it's you'd like to think that you could just be a... Uh, a counterculture champion and 
if people think you're cool, then you'll just be able to get through (laughs) that. You'll be able to pay your rent every month or, you know, pay for your pay uh, rent and punk rock points. Right. I think, well, you know what? I I, I think I've learned in the last like 15 or 20 years that you can't, (laughs) Um, you know, you'd like to think that. Yeah, yeah just, that was more of a 90s thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe in 1991, those punk rock points could uh, could go Seattle's to paying rent and stuff folks. like that. But but now, you know, you could move, you know, you could move to, uh, you know, Saginaw, Michigan, perhaps or something. And, you know, you're not going to you're not going to be able to generate as many punk rock points, but uh, you might be able to find a place to live that would be a little less expensive. So I really recommend this video I watched called The Art of Punk by MoCA Museum of Contemporary Art in L.A. They did this whole series of punk art. And um, the Black Flag episode, the Raymond Pettibon Black Flag episode was the first one. And then there's also one on Crass. Um, It was two people who did that art. Crass was a zine first, and it became the band. The music came later after the design of that logo. It's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. That I didn't know either. So anyway, check out this Art of Punk series by Mocha on YouTube. It's really cool. Um, the one on Black Flag is pretty funny. Um, Flea is in it a lot. Uh, people who have a lot to say like Flea and Henry Rollins. <laughs> um, and he Flea calls the logo Danger and Commitment to Art. And he says, when art and action come together, it's a sincere moment that can never happen again. Um. Keith Morris, also from Circle Jerks. And then I wrote here, not to be confused with Keith Morrison from Dateline, in case you get them confused. <laughs> uh, was uh, He said the band Black Flag was originally called Panic, which I didn't know. And then um, also Greg Ginn wanted to call it Rope at one point. Uh But uh, basically, they had this musical landscape going on like the Eagles with Hotel California, and it was just making them more and more pissed. So when other people, when they heard other bands like the Ramones, the Damned, Sex Pistols, um, they kind of were forced into action like, we we need to do this. We have all. We also right, right, and I, I think that 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 you know that 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 either happened to people in you know nineteen seventy seven seventy eight that were mm-hmm. <clears throat> in bands before the Ramones, mm-hmm. you know, and also you know the Sex Pistols and the the British bands and stuff. But they either changed you or they didn't. Yeah, and and if they didn't change you, then you know, ultimately, I mean, like I just think of our Seattle rock brethren around the same time. There was, there was the people who picked up that torch and 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 led with it, and the people that sort of didn't. And it, and it didn't mean that you were going to fall off the planet instantly if you if you shunned the uh, torch of of punk rock. But you know, it it, it 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 did. You know, it absolutely changed everything. How was the atmosphere? Because you grew up here, right? Yes. And how was the atmosphere here in Seattle when that change started to happen? Because we were known for Jimi Hendrix and the Kingsmen before that, right? Right, right. But there was also there was there was heart. Oh, you that's know, right. they were yeah. already a you know a, a very well heralded and and popular band so at that point. Heralded and well deserved. <clears throat> um. And, but there was, you know, there was no place 
for young people's bands, you know, and, and the, the young people's bands around that time were generally fairly, you know, conservative, you know, he, 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 da, 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 you know, like, um, and then when, when the, uh, when the, 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 the torch of punk rock lit in Seattle, it was a very small scene. There was, you know, I was just thinking about this the other day. There was, was it like the telepaths and, yeah, the, the you know te- telepaths actually you know the telepaths actually started in in nineteen seventy five, and they were more you know they were they were inspired by you know the Stooges and rebel they were rebellious rebellious, rebellious in some ways but actually their music is is absolute just killer rock and roll fantastic yeah yeah. Um. Yeah, so tell me, tell us more about the when punk started happening in Seattle. Well, I think before grunge. That's what I want to know about. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like when 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 I was a teenager in Seattle, there was the Telepaths were to us the most accomplished band of of young people of, of our age. You know, we're like, wow, they they can play 21st century schizoid man by King Crimson. They can get through that and play all the parts and and not stop halfway through. And, um, you know, well, we're, you know, they were were roughly the same age as they are. Were were these at house parties? Um, Well, we first saw, like, the, the first bands that we saw... You know, local bands. We we did see the Telepaths because they were, you know, they were one of the few, you know, as established as a band could be at that point that was not, I mean, they're you know, at this time they're 17, 18, 19 years old. So they're not, you know, they're not playing in bars. They're playing mostly original songs, you know. So mm-hmm. they're, like anything else, there was no, there was no home base for bands like that right. until the club, The Bird opened up where was the bird the bird was on washington street i think downtown first in washington uh-huh. i think that's where 109 south uh, or maybe spring street 109 spring that's where it was okay yeah spring street spring downtown yeah yeah 109 spring street i think um, and the the original bird only lasted a few months before it was shut shut down by the police. But um, oh. <laughs> but it was it was it was for that time. It was you know it, it, my first band, the Cheaters. We would not have really probably done anything if it was not for the bird because you know we'd we'd go we, you'd run into the same people. I mean we we grew up in a. Lake City, we didn't grow up in the U District. We weren't Roosevelt. We didn't go, we weren't, you know, commingled with the same people that okay. were starting bands in Seattle, you know, but we didn't know. We just had a, we had a band in my parents' basement. And then, you know, trying to learn how to play songs that were way too hard for us to to learn. And then, what were your first song? What was your first show like? And your first song? Uh, well, the, the, our first show was at the Bird because, okay. like, it, it wasn't until, like we were, you know, fumbling around until then we heard, um, you know, we we heard the Ramones mm-hmm. and we heard, 
um, the Saints and we heard the Sex Pistol singles and the Damned and you know those those first records from 1977 is like right when we started getting together and I think one of the first things we did is we learned the first three songs in the of uh, the second Blister Cult record Tyranny and Mutation we you know we, that's that's you know that was our goal to have this like scary sinister sort of sounding rock band <laughs> except 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 it's like well this this music I mean you know we just and started playing instruments you know so it was like <laughs> it was it was so far out of our our abilities to play You're it going from zero to blue oyster Club right right as a 16 year old <clears throat> yeah 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 and you know god bless us for trying but right. then, no, that's and then uh, <laughs> then 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 you know we saw this band the telepaths I, maybe they opened a show mm-hmm. uh that we saw and it was like Whoa, that's kind of like a real professional band. We'd heard of them and mm-hmm. another band, Uncle Cookie, who oh. um, had uh, Conrad Uno from Egg Studio uh, uh, Notoriety was was in that band. And they were another band. They they weren't they weren't punk per se, but they were absolutely DIY mm-hmm. in that they were a four piece band. There's two guitar players, bass player, drummer. And they brought their own PA. They brought their own light show. You know, they had, Whoa. you know, built, you know, coffee cans spray painted black with lights in them. And they had a controller that, that Uno operated, like stepped on different buttons to change the lights when they were playing. It's like, whoa, they can do all this themselves. <laughs> and, and they, you know, they seemed like they're a million years older than we were, but yeah, you know, actually they, were they weren't. Like 28. Or <laughs> 24 or yeah. 23. But they were, you know, they were just, they, they just had been playing a little bit longer and they, you yeah. know, it's like, wow, they sound like a real band and God, maybe we could be like that. And then, you know, then when we heard the Ramones and we heard all the punk bands, are like, well, this is really what we want to do. We just, yeah. we just wanted to sound like the toughest music we could find, you know, like, which at that time, <laughs> maybe the tough. The toughest record that was out there was the first album by Montrose. Oh, you know, it was like right. the first album that all the songs on it were loud and there was no, there was no, you know, heart wrenching ballads and there was no anything. It was like, well, we just want to have the, you know, the most, the most kick ass that band. album cover, that Montrose. <laughs> I love the type on there. Oh, Sammy yeah, yeah. Hagar, right? That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's some classic, <laughs> some classic hand lettering there. Um, but you know that, and every time we'd get a record, you know, whether it was Scorpions, Fly to the Rainbow, or something, we Grand Funk Railroad, mm-hmm. you know, we did whatever you could put on and just have like, <clears throat> you know, because we're like fifteen year old kids, we just wanted like the most, <laughs> the most gnarly sounding music, and you know, you were never a fifteen year old kid, to me, <laughs> and you know, like Raw Power by the the Stooges, oh, you know, we'd yeah. put that on, it's like. God, how can they just make this work? It just sounds like they just want to, you it's know, powerful and it just stuff. makes you just want to kill, you know, it's want to wreck stuff. And, and, you know, that's what we want to do. But it's like, well, how do you, you know, we didn't, there was no, no way to figure out how to do stuff really like, and we didn't have any, nobody had any money. We had just had the worst instruments right. and. And he's like, well, all we wanted is a Les Paul Jr. And a Marshall half stack, mm-hmm. but you know, we had to, straight in yeah, right? yeah but that's what you wanted but I, right. I never had those things you know all we had is the you know the stuff that people would get rid of in our high school you know oh yeah well i'll say this whole you know box full of music gear for 75 bucks it was a you know a <laughs> guitar and an amp and a cabinet and then some other broken stuff it's like okay and you know pretty ambitious but it wasn't 
you know, it, it, it didn't sound like the Les Paul Jr. and the Marshall. But don't it, you think that's how the telepath started? Well, maybe. Perhaps. But then they also had Homer Spence uh, was the other guitar player. It was Eric Warner mm-hmm. and, and Homer. And Homer was, was older. And, oh, okay. And, you know, there was, there was, I think in the, in that group of people, there was probably a few people that knew more about how to go about doing things and, mm-hmm. and, you know, no, 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 don't get that guitar. Get this one. Cause this one will sound more like you want it to, mm-hmm. you know, or something, all the things that we didn't know at all, mm-hmm. you know, we just, well, this is a guitar and this is an amp. Mm-hmm. But it sounds jinky, jinky, jinky. It doesn't sound like <clears throat> it doesn't sound like Montrose <laughs> or Blue Oyster Cult or uh, you know. And then when the first Van Halen record came out, we're like, oh my Jeez, Jesus, you forget know, it. yeah, forget it. <laughs> you know, or the, the other one we were talking about the other day is ACDC Let There Be Rock, you know, which also came out in 1977. Rock. And we're just like, holy crap, how did you make a, you know, what, how do they make it sound like this? You know, how do they get that, that just that tough ass sound? Um, so we're, you know, even from back in those old days, we're, you know, just trying to figure out how to make, you know, just stuff sound tough and killer. And yeah. I guess all my, ever since then, I haven't really changed at all. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you were more influenced or you were you were aiming to sound more like those huge uh the the bigger sound, not necessarily the the loud garage punk. Well, yes and no. <clears throat> I think the the original like, you know, if you if you compare the early, you know, 77, 78, 79 US punk records with their mm-hmm. British counterparts, mm-hmm. um you know, we always we always loved the way the British records sounded because mm-hmm. they actually had money behind them, whereas none of the American, other than the you know few that were on the major labels, obviously the Ramones and and things like that, that that right. had a proper studio. But yeah, the indie records in uh, in America, you know, all we were like, ah, oh, you know, we saw this band, and then you listen to the record, and the records go. Oh. I mean, yeah, that's the shame of. Um... Things like when you when you look back on like Rocket from the Tombs, which is like a legendary combination of people, but the only recording is so hard to hear. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, and, and but it's it's charming in its own right. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like this. You know, I, I get it, but it's also kind of a shame because those were the original versions of songs that. Sure, sure. Became and, all of our favorite punk songs. And then at, so, at some point, you know, some point everything sort of changed mm-hmm. in the in the recording theories. And you know, I guess it's the logical pro- progression of digital recording mm-hmm. and and all that, where you know the sound that we would so desire back in 1978 for our first for our first recordings. Mm-hmm. And now you can, you know, with with digital enhancement, you can almost make a garage recording. You can replace all the drum sounds, and you can play your guitars through digital processors. Oh yeah, and you can you can do all that stuff and get this, you know, this arena rock sort of sound. <laughs> and now it's it, it's not good anymore. Well, I you think know. it's the same premise as graphic design to get back to Petty Bond's design. Um, 
it's the same premise that just because everything's more accessible doesn't mean quality is more accessible. No, no, because it's all, you know, you, you can, you can gloss things up much, you know, like anybody on their home computer now can gloss things up to a degree that was unheard of back in 1978. Right. But, you know, but, but, you know, like a great hand inked drawing that says it all, a, a, Authenticity. A, a blasting killer recording of four people in a garage or a small room actually, you know, creating excitement that is akin to the excitement you would see going to see a band. Exactly. Is, and that's pal- palpable and it, you can feel it. You can hear it in the recording. And yeah, yeah. And now, you know, people make these digital recordings where everything is, you know, placed just so... And then they try to recreate that at their show. And so you see people with, uh, you know, yeah. 80 guitar pedals and two laptops <laughs> and, and all this stuff. And, you know, and whatever, it's it's just a, it's it's not necessarily good or bad, but it's a laptop a, as a pedal. Yeah, and they step on the laptop. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but, but so, you know, the, the, that sort of, that's was, we were always trying to make, the recordings sound like a killer band, like you go see, like capture the excitement of a, of an actual good live band. Right. Rather the than. The show came first. Right. Exactly. That the, experience the, was. The, 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 the people playing together is what was, what was the, the goal is right. to get that and keep that rather than, you know, somebody spending, you know, six months in the basement, making a record where everything is, is perfect and then trying to put a band together to, to follow that. I maybe some a band like Boston or something like that, you know, was was a, a precursor to that. That Tom Schultz made that record not all by himself, but probably just about. And then that put was the kind band of the together. Of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I love the first Boston record, but there's a lot of there's a lot of good records that are the blueprint for a lot of bad records. Ah, that's well, very well put. <laughs> and, and, you know, Boston is definitely one of them. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's tons of them throughout the years, oh, groups yeah. that make great records that the bands that pick up on it, pick up on some of it, but not necessarily all the good parts. And, and, you know, you can't just pick up another band's style and run with it and it's probably not going to be as good. No. <laughs> like anything, like, you know, like Black Flag. How many bands wanted to be Black Flag? Oh, a million. Mm-hmm. But something, who was the artist that said, you can't steal from an artist. You have to take from a bunch of different people and no one will know you're stealing. <laughs> right, right. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't. Uh, come up with your own thing. Like, come up with an average of all the stuff you love and make it your own. Like, or just, or just, or just make something your own. You can be inspired by things. Like, right. That's what I mean. Like, take inspiration from everywhere. Take inspiration, but, 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 but you know, just. And that's not to say there hasn't been some bands that have been pretty much outright copies of other bands that have been pretty killer. Well, but, it's funny uh, because if people wait the right amount of time, give it about twenty years. Yeah. Anyway, to get back to the story, so, um, so, so speaking of good and bad, so Greg Ginn found out that there was another band called Panic. Now I kind of want to hear what this band sounded like because that would have been a great name, but. Um, he found out uh, they couldn't use the name. So Raymond, um, Greggan's brother Raymond, suggested the name Black Flag. And my 
my suspicion is that he had done the drawing first and then decided to, that that would be a great name. So again, there was the artwork came first and then the band kind of adopted the artwork. But I also think that not only did the artwork um, lend itself, like he named the band, he gave them their logo, he, he created the four bars logo, um, but because all of his artwork became associated with the band, they became an art punk band. So I think that Raymond was, and I think they considered him to be a member of the of Black Flag. And um, anyway, when he showed them the Four Bars logo, they all freaked out. They loved it. They were like, what? And also, Henry Rollins admitted later that he didn't know that it was supposed to look like a waving flag. He was like, what are these four bars? <laughs> uh, so anyway, so he explained, well, it's a waving flag. And I have, a, I have the um, audio I can play of him explaining it because it's really cute. But um, he, at around the same time, he changed his name to Pettibon. He was Raymond Ginn still. But his dad had given him the nickname of Petitbon, good little one. Um, I guess they were from, and his artwork. Greg Gin. Greg Gin. Gin. Is uh, your name Gin? <laughs> I think it is. Not a Gin. Not a Gin. <laughs> no, not a Gin. <laughs> and so his artwork was just, he started to make just tons of flyers for them, album covers, and then all their merch, the shirts, stickers. They made skateboards, um, throughout the 80s, the early 80s, um, and then he became pretty well known in LA for um he also worked um designed for other punk bands obviously LA punk bands everybody loved his art it was very raw and i'm going to put just some random uh examples of his scenes and his different drawings and lithographs up on the instagram um so also they said that when he presented as like, okay, I'm kind of a member of Black Flag, like I'm kind of associated, but I want to do all the visual stuff. When he took that on, because Greg Ginn had been trying to name the band, and that had created this weird power dynamic, like this weird like Lord of the Flies, I'm the leader type of, of struggle. And Raymond stepping in and taking on that role really helped take that out of the band he took that weird struggle out so they were kind of in this video i watched from the mocha series they were kind of saying how that helped the uh stabilize stabilize them a little bit um so just to talk about the logo for a quick sec i was wondering what is that typeface it looks so familiar it's the law and order typeface too. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's called Frizz Quadrata, um, F R I Z. I'm assuming it's Frizz Quadrata. Um, it was originally designed by Ernst Frizz. Um, he designed it in one weight originally, um, and then it was among uh, 15 award-winning typefaces in a visual design competition in 1966 so that was when it was released whoa so what's that recent yeah it's not an ancient 
typeface. It's pretty <laughs> new. I just think of like, you know, talking about typefaces, I think that so many well, of my they're favorites all based are based on old ones, though. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, the, the even the Black Flag one is, uh, you know, uh, Seraph from you know stone carving exactly style. yeah they all you know, come from like Times New Roman probably you know definitely it's definitely Roman a Roman it looks uh, Roman styling. except it does have the open bowls on the lowercase letters they're not closed all the way mm-hmm. but most often it's used in all caps yeah, it's all caps so you don't really mm-hmm. notice that but I was looking at all these examples today on the internets and I did notice that um, some. Some um, people do use it in lowercase, and it looks really weird because they don't – the numbers don't close all the way either, which is really huh. weird. So yeah, it was, it was um, adopted by the ITC, um, the International Typeface Corporation, in 1973, and then a bold weight was added by Victor Caruso was his name. That does not sound like the name of a man who is a type designer. <laughs> Sir, you should be having adventures on the ocean. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sailing. Um, <laughs> well, Victor Caruso. Uh, so it's slightly different from the original, but pretty pretty much the same. And then finally in 1992, Terry uh, Um There's a lot of uh, vowels in this word. It's French. It ends in an X. Puyfilhu. I don't know, designed italic weights. So there's now an italic and a bold. Um, and that was released in 1994. Just This is just for the type nerds, if you happen to be listening. A frizz quadrata. <laughs> um, some other uh, people who use it, Black Flag, Bad Religion used it. Yep, yep uh, for sure. Yeah, Definitely. you can picture it in your head. Law and Order, Dungeons and Dragons books, uh, the cover, the cover type. Um, KFC, an anti-hero skateboard company, and Jif Peanut Butter. And now that I've read a bunch of corporate names. Um, <laughs> well, no, but what's interesting about the about that typeface, mm-hmm. as well as the four bars, the, the yes. actual black flag, to say nothing of the uh, the bug spray black flag. I know. Which, That's you what know, I thought of when I was a teenager. Which is absolutely, you know, it, it, it's so genius on so oh. many levels. Was that around? <clears throat> was the bug spray around before Oh, absolutely. I'm sure that, I'm sure that the, the, the bug spray is is absolutely the lineage anything. of, of Let's see, the see, he doesn't name. admit it, though. Yeah, you know, probably he... can't. <laughs> He'll get sprayed. He, he probably can't, you know, because, you know, they'd probably no way. take it away from him. But it enough. does, the, even the logo looks a little bit similar. Oh, ab- absolutely. Now, but you do realize that the first Black Flag single, when it came out... No, tell me. ...had neither the bars nor the typeface oh. the original copy of their first that first uh four song ep did not have either of those things on it hmm it, you know the the typeface was different and like subsequent pressings have changed have have you know changed to the uh the frizz quadrata so maybe when they were, yeah, maybe it took a while to get that going. The, Not long, because I think by the by that yeah. the second the twelve inch the, uh, um, the uh, artwork was set. Yeah, jealous again. They had the ah. uh, they had the bars and the typeface. By so that, so here's point. the black flag. I mean, yeah, yeah. there's a typical flag looking, you know, icon there, and then the words black flag on it. It's, <laughs> it does look different. I never would have thought. 
of those four bars myself. So no, that's no, the the bars. It's just absolutely genius. So genius, and then just like Peter Seville, just like there's so many uh, parodies of it too. That like we were talking about in episode, or was it episode two with um, Peter Seville when I was talking to Travis Ritter? Uh, how it kind of takes off out of their control and people sort of take it and do... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and interesting, I was not, I was not, I did not know that uh, Raymond Pettibon was a, uh, was a, you know, a, a, an art scholar. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's, in some ways it's not surprising, but all that stuff is so well, it, it's so good. Um, but also just thinking it almost makes a little more sense that somebody would come up with something so iconic early on. I know, but he never went to design school. True, but but he was an art student though, right? He was an art student at the time. So, or I don't know, was it at the time or was it? He was a a math teacher perhaps. So so there's so many versions of the Black Flag logo. I've seen all these different tattoos and um there's the kathy comic act flag where there's four kathy's there um well then there's to say nothing of the band off yes which off was also drawn which is drawn. also is, is a bug spray it's absolutely anti-bug genius <laughs> in that that it's you know the other popular brand of bug but, spray. Bug, but it, no but that's anti-bug spray off is to keep, keep bugs off you right but it's it's bug killer right bug killer you're right black flag is you know like a spray oh my to, god did he do that and he even kept the exclamation point oh yeah 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 oh. and it's raymond pettibone i mean he he, he that you is know, he hilarious. took his own thing even to the next further level. And you know, who, it's like that band. That's like an all-star band, right? Who's in well, the for sure. And Keith Morris is the singer in, in Off, who was right. the first singer in Black Flag. And you know, the later Black Flag records were not necessarily sounding much like the original Black Flag. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, not saying that a band needs to keep playing the same music over and over and over again but you know yeah. if you if you if you change enough that you know it's not not that if you if you if you lose your mission statement a little bit then you know whatever it's like if you guys are having a good time that's that's great and everything but yeah. they you know at some point they sort of lost me um but then you know off without saying, oh, let's copy the Black Flag sound from, you know, the early Black Flag, you know, that first 45 or whatever. They just, you know, they just sort of picked up where that left That's off. That's so and, genius. Do you think it was kind of a middle finger? To... Well, there's... You know, there's What's his brother, though? It's, you know, Raymond... Well, it's Raymond Pettyman's brother. I know, but... But, it, but it's also... Seems like a middle finger to Greg there, Ginn a little There's, bit. you know... But, I mean, the, the, the band <laughs> off is a big middle finger to everything, really. Okay. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure... I don't know, but I would imagine Greg Ginn probably uh, is not out of the... Uh, <laughs> not out of the scope of that middle finger. <laughs> um, but, I mean, the band, it, it's absolutely killer and... Yeah, you know, it, I it's agree. just such a good idea. Mm-hmm. It's just, and the artwork is great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. It's just, you know, if you, he and I don't be know, be a designer, and but I love his artwork too, and he makes a ton of money as a fine artist. 
But I just wonder what he could have done because he has, you know, he really has a grasp on on just getting to the point and like the high concept stuff, like you were saying, like taking the black flag bug spray thing, creating another bug spray band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. And you yeah. know, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be good if the bands weren't absolutely killer and I know. You know and then he says just, everything just works right. I mean yeah. you know, I don't I don't know if Raymond Pettibone has been in a band if he's if he's played music he or anything has. like that. It yeah. would it sure makes sense because he obviously has you know, more than a mere finger on the pulse. Of he was in what Black Flag kick, at the beginning when it was music. called Panic. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, what he did was he do? one of the original members. Um, what does it say here? <laughs> I oh, don't yeah, remember. It's okay. I know I don't remember because it says he was only in it for a minute. But he says that Black Flag could have been called anything and it would have been successful because that's how much he believed in them. And mm-hmm. and he honestly kept saying that in the in the Mocha video. Um, it it could have been called anything. What True. A, what a petit bond. <laughs> but but it wasn't called anything, and it, it it like no, it came together perfectly, just like the Ramones, just like their their look and their sound was perfect. Their, well, right, and and it, it wasn't it wasn't you know entirely by accident, but mm-hmm. but at the same time, when you're you know young people just trying to do something different, you can you can think that you have all these things in place. You know, I mean, like if you're 17 or 20 or whatever, you think, oh, yeah, you know, we got this all. But in hindsight, it's, you know, it's definitely a little more scatterbrained than that. But clearly the, the first Ramones record is, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it couldn't have been made at any other time. I yeah. mean, it was exactly everything about it is is just perfect right and every it was made perfectly you know if if there was any of the parts that were not there not saying it wouldn't still be good but Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty much bulletproof i mean you there's nothing (laughs) there's no there's you can't you know you can't you can't grapple with it it's it's so good as is that first black flag single right you know we we just wore that thing out it's like how how could these people be so pissed off and <laughs> and you know just present it mm-hmm. so well? Too I bad mean, they didn't have the logo yet because then it really would have been perfect. I'm obsessed with the bands who have you know one designer. It's usually a friend or somebody. You know, it doesn't doesn't seem to happen as much anymore. Where the designer. Um, or the artist for the band is like another member. Well, there's but there's no there's no bands. There you know that whole design. People are you know that started dying when CDs came out, and then yeah. after CDs or you know digital downloads, nobody looks at anything that's anymore. Why I'm so obsessed <clears throat> with it because it's just such a cool. Um, it's a cool other dimension to. Oh, music, for sure. And yeah. we were talking about Peter Seville. You know, mm-hmm. y- y- you can't. You, you 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 that whole scene is mm-hmm. you know it was all absolutely linked together but he also did work for other bands and those album covers became very famous like in 1990 he uh designed the cover for Sonic Youth's album Goo mm-hmm. and that is a very iconic 
recognizable album cover. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's it's clearly Raymond Pettibone But it for doesn't sure. make us think Black Flag. It makes us think Raymond. Sure, sure. Yeah, so that's – it's really weird how he was able to do and, that. And by that <laughs> point – by that point – yeah, you know, he was like, already working. Yeah, there was, you know, it was it was clearly his thing, but you so you didn't think it looked like Black Flag, right? But if Peter Seville had done a record in nineteen ninety, which he very very may mm-hmm. well have, and if it was in that same, I mean, Peter, Peter Seville was not an illustrator, I imagine he's, no. he's just a, absolutely he was a, designer. a designer. Yeah, um, and so you, it's you know, it's a little easier to go in different directions and, and stuff like that. If you're not putting a pen to a piece of paper and, you know, yeah, it, 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 he could be doing things that were, you know, on a, on a, in a parallel universe. But, um, but some of those, some of those things are so ingrained with the music, like the factory records and yeah. even the, you know, the mid-70s, the hypnosis design. Well, that's, I almost it, did that episode for us. Oh, yeah. We, I have the could, hypnosis book. Oh, I don't have the book, but, you it's know, I amazing. probably have a lot of the records for sure. You have, everybody does. You don't even realize how many. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, I'm going to do a hypnosis episode soon. <laughs> okay, well, I'll drop in for that one, too. Yeah, yeah, please come back. Um, I just wanted to also go over a couple more things about Raymond. I wanted to play this audio because I thought it was really cool. Um, Is this astonishingly talented artist. You you have this person su- making the suggestion that this is what we should call our band. And then all of a sudden, somebody else steps up and that person stepping up would be Raymond Pettibone presenting Bone. the logo and the name. My name is, is Raymond Pettibone, and I designed this motherfucking thing. It was a way to maybe tug away a little bit of power. Maybe now we're becoming a band. Maybe uh, it, it, it's not so much just about you, but maybe it's about the rest of us. For me, talking about Greg it's Gale. always been about the guys in the band. You keep more speaking, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> so... Flag's logo originated by one Raymond Pettibone, the amazing artist. That became synonymous with unrest, chaos, rebellion, and uh, those pushing against anything you got. I probably don't have clearance to play the music. Raymond Pettibone is why you say Black Flag and say, well, draw, draw their logo. Yeah, that's Ray. It's not Greg Ginn. Not me, it's not any of us, it's Ray. I've met a lot of smart people in my life, you know, like geniuses. <laughs> Love that part. He's like the artistic gen- He's a genius. <laughs> you know, I know geniuses. We know Henry. <laughs> and we and Henry Rollins is releasing a sung word album, you guys. Sung <laughs> word. He's gonna sing it. <laughs> Um, so, oh, I like those guys. I like I like me some Henry Rollins. I know there. It's a great video. You got to watch it. It's really fun to watch from the beginning. Watch it all the way through. Um, but I love learning about what happened to Raymond Pettibon because he has a punk. He has these punk rock roots, and you know, L.A. Flyers and you know, just crazy stuff with like anti police messaging in it, which you know wasn't even. I don't know if it ever got censored or not or if anyone got super upset, but 
There's a really famous drawing of a cop with a gun in his mouth. He's really out there and trying to shake things up and then becomes this kind of gallery artist. (laughs) So it's just interesting to me. Um, He says, um, when he was making the zines, he says about his booklets, he started making the photocopied booklets in 1978. And he says he's still making them. And he says they're the sum of his ideas and aesthetics. And um, anyway, he's now um, gone back to collage, which is what he started with when he first started making the zine. So he's kind of come full circle, which is exciting. There is a little bit here about the music he's played. There's a lot of information online. He is um, in a band called the Niche Makers. Niche Makers? (laughs) Niche Makers. Uh, A band in Venice. And um, he received, in 2004, he received the Bucksbaum Award for Visual Arts given by the Whitney Museum. And I really love this quote of his. Um, He says, I was making my work as transparent as possible without equivocations, without calling attention to itself, without apology. And then he also says, uh, there's a lot of conventions in the art world that are not to be transgressed, but my economy of means doesn't abide by those strict structures. (laughs) <laughs> economy of means that's so cool i love i love his quotes i love all his work um and there's also tons of his lithographs and other drawings online uh you can find it at artnet.com and then you could also seriously lose hours of your life looking at his website he has so much stuff at raypedabon.com not raymond raypedabon.com so yeah i think that's pretty much all I have time for for there's so much about him and all the bands he's made art for Minutemen obviously all the SST Husker do but look at the okay so I'm gonna look at some of these covers here with Kurt um this one says OD a hippie legal or OD a hippie what legalized heroin ban hippies ban hippies. Anyway, any other Black Flag or other rock history tidbits? I just I have to remember the first time we saw Black Flag in Seattle oh, yeah. was. Um, I'm not sure where their show was supposed to be, but it it was it was canceled or shut down at the at the last minute, mm-hmm. and they ended up. Uh, Ended up playing it at a house in the university district. What? Instead of their their regular show, and I, I, I honestly I can't quite I can't quite remember the the order of events or why that it got uh, why it was canceled or whatnot. But we'd never, you know, we had that first Black Flag forty five, and just thought, you know, this is like the most radical. This is absolutely the most radical thing of all time. And you know, whatever year that was, nineteen eighty, maybe. Um. You know, so we'd already had we'd already had a few years of punk records at that point. Yeah. And for something to, you know, really make that much of a like, you know, we of course we you know, thought we knew it all. We thought we'd heard all everything that would there was to, to be offered at that point. You know, and then we, we get this and it's like, wow, this sounds like it was recorded in a, in a not a, a basement but a garage you know <laughs> it, the the sound quality was such that you know we thought it was like wow well this doesn't sound like you know 
real studio. It just sounds like it was, you know, recorded on a, you know, broken tape recorder, you know, or something. It was, it was ferocious sounding like in a way that recordings weren't ferocious back then. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, then, then they ended up, you know, wheeling their gear into our, our buddy's house in the U district in a, you know, it was just, your buddy's house. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like, well, you know, well, you can come and play at our at our house. So they, you know, wheeled in the 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 Lucite drum set and the PV full stack. Why was stack. the show canceled? Do you, I, you know, I can't remember the actual reason, but the club maybe have gone away. I don't even remember where. That, that, that's an interesting question. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. see if I can uh, see if I can ascertain that. But uh, and you remember the show pretty well. <laughs> Why yeah. do I ever? You know, there was maybe twenty, you know, twenty or twenty five kids in there, and and you know, seeing. <laughs> Black Flag, uh, you know, in 1980, you know, in a in a in a living room of a house, Whoa. it was like absolutely nothing we'd ever seen before. You know, did it, it just it, blow your face off? It just was. I mean, it was. It was. Yeah, it, in in every way. I mean, it was so loud, <laughs> but it was so. You know, there's there's loud and there's kick-ass and there's loud and kick-ass and it it, it just it, you know it, it, did anyone record it no one uh, had any probably, way to probably not if, if, if they did the recording would be <laughs> you know you wouldn't you know your brains would be absolutely fried um <laughs> but uh you know just that that sound yeah let the party begin. <laughs> and, you know, a bunch of 19-year-old kids drinking cheap beer and, and you know, listening to Black Flag play in a living room. It's just... Wow. You know, just something that... You, Were you, you all you looking can't... around at each other? Like, is this happening? <laughs> like, yeah. Or looking, you know, because there was, there was a lot of thrashing about at that point in, in music history, too. Right. So you're also trying to look to not get your uh, mm. get an elbow in your eye or anything like that, too. But, um, you know. Wow. And they played the songs from that single that you mm. loved. What else? Did they play stuff you hadn't heard before? Oh, for, for sure. I mean, there's only four songs. We'd only known four songs. Maybe, I don't know if Decline of Western Civilization was out at that point yet or uh-huh. not, but that was the next, you know, that was. They were probably playing those songs. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, wow. yeah, for sure. It was just, it was, you know, kind of too much for a. Uh, for a brain to uh, to assimilate all in one, one. Did you know how big they were gonna get? Like, did you have a sense? No, no, not at all. Okay. I mean, not a, you know, no. You just liked them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just okay. like, well, this is cool, Ben, and, and you, you know, you, you notoriety. You know, it was there was obviously no internet or anything like that, but you know, we knew they were a notorious band and that they were a lot of their shows got shut down because they were radical and and loud right. and incited problems and stuff and but that's exactly what we wanted out of music we right. wanted dangerous music that incited problems you know that was all you'd ask for well that and and you know nice baroque pop music too but <laughs> you know somewhere somewhere on on you know we just like music that was all the way on one end of the spectrum or the other. Baroque, all right. You know the uh, you know the beautiful, <laughs> great harmony pop music, or just like yeah. the most ferocious, insane. You so know. wait, so were you in the Cheaters at this point? Uh, the Cheaters had been broken up at that okay. point. Who uh, was in the Cheaters? The Cheaters were. I played guitar. My brother Al played bass. Okay. Um, our next door neighbor Scott Dittman was the singer. 
and we st- we started in in 1977 uh and our uh, our other high school high school buddy uh Dave Shoemate was the drummer for most of it uh-huh and um we ended up starting to play in 1978 when the club the bird mm-hmm. uh you know first opened we we heard oh there's there's people that are opening a, a punk rock club we better bring our basement demo cassette to them and see if we can get a show. And we went down to their thing before they, even before they opened and we're like, well, we have a band. We'd like to play here and thinking they'd go, Oh, get out of here, dumb kids. And they like, Oh, well, we'll listen to this and, and give you a call. And <laughs> sure enough, they called, you know, a couple of days later. It's like, well, we're booking the, you know, fourth weekend of our, thing you know you guys can play on that and we're like Whoa, we can we have a show. <laughs> yeah and so that that was our first weekend of shows was and who was made the, the flyer do you remember um i have a copy of it <gasps> and it's absolutely it's one of the greatest flyers i have to post it yeah yeah uh, okay um uh it was opening we opened for negative trend you opened for negative trend yeah yeah it's march oh 16th God, and 17th that, 1978 i think at your first show yeah yeah but I mean, but you but remember, nobody, you know, in 1978, nobody, negative trend. Oh, you know, yeah. Okay. You know, <laughs> and, but it was, you know, there was, there was no, there was no punk bands in Seattle. I mean, there was nothing. Yeah. We had no blueprint, you know, and we weren't, you know, we didn't know what to do. And, and uh, then we see bands like that, mm-hmm. that, you know, just are slamming blazing like holy shit you know we gotta we gotta we gotta get get our crap together and like this is what we want to do um and you know that's amazing because you could go see the ramones we saw them you know throughout you know 1977 they played here a couple times they kind of played a lot yeah yeah they were they were always on tour but you know they were they were they, they were kind of played a lot. Yeah, they're known for touring. They, they were, they were uh, uh, but they were, you know, they're professionally played at real music venues and stuff. And then you see, uh, uh, you know, in your face, too loud, you know, American punk band playing in a in a small room, and it's you know, it's a whole nother thing. It's you know, especially if you've never been in a room with a blazing loud, you know, angry band, yeah. it's like, wow, this is this. We thought, you know, you you know, if you're 17, you think you know everything, you think you've seen everything. It's like, nope, we haven't seen it. Wow, we haven't seen this. And you know, negative trend. And what are the band? You know, we played with. We Everybody all- can go to that house party in their mind where they have that, <laughs> yeah. well, that the, first the, band. There's like ten bikes leaning up against the living room wall. <laughs> By the end of the night, they're all knocked over and smashed up. Uh, Somebody's barbells get thrown into right. the stack of the ten. Carpet bikes. is just the carpet gone. is is just is bye bye. <laughs> um, God, I kind of miss house parties. I grew up going to house parties because I'm from Austin, and we seem to have more of them there. It seemed when I was up here, people were sort of campaigning for all ages clubs, all ages shows, and I was thinking. 
does anyone have a house? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right, right. Uh, Go to do it. It's a house party. Yeah, like, house why don't party you guys know how to do that? Move a bunch so, of stuff out of your living room and set up. There, a there thing ended or up being them here, but it was just so weird that it's just not as common. Like, in right, Austin, right, and, and now everybody did. And probably that's going to be a thing of the past. You know, people can't afford to even have a house anymore. <laughs> you know, you can't get four people together to rent a crappy house that's you know bound to be torn down in the be next RV few years. parties pretty soon yeah or apartment parties where everyone sits Ugh. around and puts on headphones and it's plays like, electronic can you instruments. be quiet my neighbor is gonna complain I, well you're hitting the foot pedal on this electronic drum set and the, the downstairs neighbor is complaining because it goes headphones on <laughs> well, we can't hear the doorbell because we have headphones on but but the foot pedal is going and it's really, I'm trying to watch That's TV down here. Quiet it's so, sound you're It's making. so loud. Can't you hear that? <laughs> yeah, boy, that's really annoying. Oh. People don't know the meaning of the word annoying anymore. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, nothing is loud. Any, I don't know. I mean, we sound crotchety because Seattle has changed so much. But it has. You guys. Yeah, when was the last time you saw a show at a club when somebody showed up with even with a one hundred watt amp that was turned all the way up? It just doesn't happen anymore. I don't I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know the difference, I don't think. Well you would if it was turned up because you couldn't you wouldn't hear anything during or after it was turned it up. Turn it up. <laughs> all right, man, I think that's going to be the episode pretty much. Yeah, right. <laughs> then we could have our stylophone solo. Oh, yeah, do you want to do some stylophone? Nah, it's okay. We'll save that, for, <laughs> save that for the next one. There's also, Eric got me, this is my stocking stuffer for, oh, God, please stop. It's it's terrible. It's this cat noise. <laughs> it's like a, like, did you go to Spencer's Gifts? Where did you get this? Uh, okay, let's put that away. But check out Kurt's many projects. Um, record your album there with Kurt. How can people record with you? Um, I'm pretty easy to find. Okay, you know, just you can you can you can at least track me down on Facebook. Track him down, bug him. If, uh, just kidding. Don't, <laughs> yeah, just, sorry. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. I get bugged a lot. I have like. I don't have a ton of listeners, but I do have quality listeners. Mass quality. That's more that's, that's more important. About. Um yeah, because podcasts are it's like a, a it's pretty punk rock, it's pretty DIY. Um no bosses, no landlords. Nobody looking over your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, no rules, man. This is yeah. the first kind of project i've embarked on in a long time that's not visual that's just all me and yeah it's my idea live with it and i'll talk <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll come down here and we can talk about graphic design for hours and hours <laughs> Absolutely. and hours too. i love it frizz quadrata uh do you have any i kind of ask the guest every time if they have like a sign off or words to live by something to remember you could sign me off by saying, just be killer. Just be killer, everybody. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Eric. Uh, thanks to Damage Bug for the music. Oh, no, no's. Uh, Tony's Pizza. I wrote, use the promo code A. A. <laughs> At checkout. And just get a pizza from Tony's. <laughs> from Tony's. Um, Enjoy Z. 
Enjoy Z. Like, Just call New Jersey. They'll bring it to you. And thanks to Ray Pettibun, too. Thank you, Ray. For being a killer dude. Just be killer. Yeah, just be killer. <laughs> just be killer. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. Nice.